Well, thank you, our praise team. appreciate y'all so much. And uh, obviously, we have some of our regulars up here every day, but it's always a treat to have Kamisha with the violin. So thank you, Kamisha. And I uh, appreciate that. And thankful for um, Amy on the drums today, visiting with us. Thank you, Amy. Yeah. And uh, I didn't see where Tim went, but Tim on electric is, is playing with us today. So thank y'all for being with us today. We appreciate that. Always good to have musicians with us. Well, um, this morning we're going to continue our sermon series on why. And uh, we've looked at several things. If you've been here, you know. If you haven't been, that's okay too. And um, But we've been talking about different things we do in the church. And why do we do those things? Why are those important part of the church or being a follower of Jesus. And so today we're going to talk about why serve. Why do we serve? Why is that so important in the church for us uh, to serve? So most of you realize this, but maybe you really haven't thought about it. But before the church service started today, there was a lot of people during the week and early this morning that did all kind of things behind the scenes so that we could be here and have everything go on the way it does. Y'all realize that, right? So I noticed this week that on Thursday morning, I walked in as I come in every Thursday and noticed the lights were on in here and there were a whole bunch of our guys in here setting up chairs. And then later in the week, some people cleaned the bathrooms and cleaned stuff and you think, well, I thought we had a, I thought we had a facilities manager, Mark Parker. Well, we do, but Mark was on a well-deserved vacation because he does a great job, but he got to have some time off. So guess what? When Mark isn't here, somebody has to do that. So to see those guys in here on Thursday morning putting out the chairs was very encouraging. They saw a need. They got it done. They served. And somebody was cleaning and doing things behind the scenes and uh, very much appreciated. Someone came in this morning. Wasn't me. Somebody came in and unlocked doors, turned on lights, adjusted the thermostats, which nobody's ever really happy with that one. But anyway... Um, somebody did that. The worship team came in early. The media, light, sound folks were here early to run through the songs and the worship songs and make sure all that. Somebody made coffee. Not a coffee drinker myself, but I know that's very important on Sunday morning. Somebody brought donuts for a lot of Sunday school classes and put those out. Someone had to prepare ahead for teaching Sunday school. There's a couple of classes going on at this end. A lot of kids having Sunday school. There were Sunday school classes before that people had to prepare for. There's a lot of our folks right now down in the kids' area teaching our kids in the, in the nursery with the babies, taking care of all that. Um, there'll be some folks that will collect the communication cards and take care of those. There's somebody that will gather the, uh, the offering and count that today behind the scenes. Um, we had folks came early for our connection corner and got ready to receive new guests and, and welcome them and try to answer their questions about the church. Some folks got here early this morning. We're setting out cones in the parking lot. Uh, they were Our safety and security team were testing their walkie-talkies to make sure they had good communication today, make sure we're going to be safe and secure. A lot of folks came and prepared communion ahead of time, so you can have communion when we have that time. There's going to be others that you will see get up right before we take communion, and they're going to serve you communion. And then there's some people that have to clean all that up afterwards. All this is going on behind the scenes, and a lot of people got here early to be greeters and welcome you as you came in the front door and came in these doors. Now, I know y'all know all that, but it's like, wow, that's a lot, isn't it? 
There's a lot of people that are using their gifts and their talents to serve because they love this church and they love people and they love God, and it's important. And I could go on and on, but our Sunday morning worship activities would not have happened without all the people that do that behind the scenes. And we can all recognize that and appreciate the service of others because when you get good service, you know it, don't you? But when you get bad service, you recognize it too, don't you? Whether it's a restaurant or your car, whatever it is, we know when we get good service and we know when we get bad service. Well, the Apostle Paul, in almost all of his letters that we read in the New Testament, he thanks people at the end of all his letters, saying, hey, so-and-so helped me do this. So-and-so, I want to say uh, a shout-out to them, or I want to say hello to them, or let them know that I love them and I care about them. I'm thankful so much for what they did for me in Philippi or of Ephesus or wherever it was, he talks about these people because Paul recognized the value and necessity of members of the body coming together and serving. And his calling was preaching, his calling was teaching, evangelism, if you will, as he went from city to city to start these churches. But he recognized the value of gifted people serving together together would make those churches function long after he left. And that's what he, he, he encouraged them to do. So we're going to read a couple of his letters where he talks about those things and why they're important. So I'm going to look at Romans chapter 12 first. Each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy courage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So you see Paul is saying, everybody, and they're for Christ. That's a mark of somebody who's a Jesus follower, is that you serve and people see you doing that. And so to the Jesus followers in Corinth, Paul wrote another. He wrote actually a couple letters to them, and he uh, reiterates some of these same things that he's talking about to the Roman church, but he also uses a clever and humorous conversation between body parts. A lot of y'all have heard this before, but I think it's humorous. It's funny. So he says very similarly in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now the foot should not say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong. To the body, and it would not be for that reason. And it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, "Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body," it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? But if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. And while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. 
And you see where Paul is very similar to what he said to Rome, but even more specific, and he has that little conversation between the body parts. You can't say, you know, that I can't say because I'm not the ear, I don't matter, or the foot can't say I don't need you to the head and vice versa. That's just not true. Everybody is needed, and everybody needs to function, as he says, in unity. So I read a story this week that is uh, very interesting. Have, have you all ever been fascinated by ants? I said if they were our size, they would certainly take over the world, wouldn't they? Easily. I mean, they're strong, they're smart, they work together. No matter how many times I tear down their mound, they rebuild another one somewhere else, right? But did you ever think about ants, can they swim? Does anybody know if that's true or not? Can they swim? You don't know. Some of you are saying yes. Well, fire ants, specifically ones in Brazil in the rainforest, um, there's been an a, a understanding of, of how they're baffled by these floating fire ants. And when placed in water, an individual fire ant will flounder and will struggle and they'll eventually sink. But when the fire ants band together, they form these little life rafts that help them survive these flash floods that happen in the Brazilian rainforest. As a unified raft, they can even travel for months together, clinging to one another before reaching dry land. Now, there was an article in the Los Angeles Times which has unlocked this secret mystery. So researchers, people get paid to do this stuff, watch ants. After collecting a bunch of ants, scientists dropped them in containers of water. The ants quickly spread out and formed themselves into these little rafts. And each individual ant used its claws and its adhesive pads on their legs to grip on to each other. And one researcher said, at first it looks like just a tangle of bodies and limbs everywhere. But the longer you look at the picture, the more you're able to distinguish between the different body parts and see the connection. Then the insects use air pockets that form around their bodies to keep themselves afloat. And the article concluded that the research sheds light on how deeply social insects act together, almost as if they're part of a superorganism. And one scientist said the individuals acting together creates this awareness of the environment that no individual ant has. I didn't know that. Did y'all know that? But I'm fascinated. These are creations of God, aren't they? Ants. As insignificant as they may be to us, God made them for reason. And think about that. They know they're going to drown on their own, but they latch onto each other and they form these rafts because they know that they are only going to live if they take if they work together, serve together to make it happen. And I think that's fascinating. And even ants are created by God to work um, as, his, as the creator to work together, and it's no different for humans, is it? He created us to work and serve together. The Apostle Peter, in one of his letters, encourages folks very, in a very similar fashion that Paul does. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So Peter, again, is reiterating what Paul has said. This is a part of what it means to be a Christian. Serving is important. Everybody in the body has gifts that God has given you, and you're supposed to use them. Now, I want y'all to hear very clearly this morning. I want you to know that I know many of you are stretched very, very thin for your time, right? A lot of y'all feel overwhelmed with what you're doing with your time. And some of you are stressed, and you're trying to 
All that you're trying to do right now can, again, be a little overwhelming. This is not to try to squeeze some more out of your already booked schedules. He's like, here he goes. He's going to start telling us we all got to serve in the church, and there's all this stuff. Yeah, you know what? We always need volunteers in the church, always. But I do want to encourage all of us to see the value of serving as a way of life as a Jesus follower. It's a characteristic of those who follow Jesus is serving. And maybe we need to look at our schedules. I know there's things on my schedule that in the pre, in the, and when I'm doing them, I'm going, why am I doing this? Have you all ever said that in your schedule? Why am I keep doing this? You know, that's the, 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 what is that, the definition of insanity to keep doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. But some of us need to maybe make some changes and adjustments and get um, encouragement from serving. Everyone has gifts. Everyone can serve. Yes, there's different gifts. Yes, there's different personalities. There's different roles. But when the body of Christ comes together with folks using their gifts and their talents to serve, um, we can see some really gratifying and, and, and um, uh, inspiring things. For the person or for the people who are serving, we get gratification from that. We get inspiration from that when we are serving. But also the people that we're serving, they get gratification and inspiration from seeing someone serve them. And that's important both ways. And I bet any one of y'all could come up here this morning and stand here and say, hey, you remember that time we got together and we helped do and you can remember that was a great time in your life because after you worked together, you had a great time doing it, and the results that helped somebody was very gratifying. So all of us have those kind of stories. Some of my most memorable and encouraging times in my life have been serving with other people. And a lot of those happen to be around mission trips, but getting together with other people and doing something for somebody else and looking at the results after are very, very satisfying. And that's what God created us to do, to do good works. Martin Luther King Jr. said that everybody can be great because anybody can serve. He said this, you don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know Plato and Aristotle. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love to serve. Very true words. I don't know how many race car fans we have in here, but um, have you ever seen a pit crew work together? That's an amazing thing. Did you know in the 1950s, an Indy race car pit crew consisted of four people, and one of those was the driver himself or herself? Can you imagine that? And so uh, no one was allowed to get near the car except this small crew. One was a driver and these three other specialists. And a routine pit stop to replace two tires and fill the gas tank up took more than 60 seconds. Now, fast forward to today's times. You know how long that takes now? There's 11 crew members um, excluding the driver. What does the driver do? He or she just sits there and goes, get it done. Let's go. Let's get back on the track, you know. But if you see it, there's usually six guys working around the car and there's five on the other side of the wall that are throwing them tires and tools and getting it all ready and they can replace four tires fill up the gas adjust all the spoilers in less than eight seconds and you've seen it right it's unbelievable how fast they do that and so when their race car wins those guys go nuts don't they why? Because they go all, it took all of us. If we hadn't have got that pissed up. Now I hear that Formula One pit crews don't have 11. They have 20 crew members and they can do everything I just said in three seconds. I can't even fathom that. Three seconds. 
to change four tires and fill it up with gas and adjust spoilers. That's amazing. But again, it's an illustration of how people understanding their role and their giftedness working together can make something happen. And sometimes in the church, we can't just go, well, that's the ministers. We pay them to do that. We pay staff to do all that. But we know that if just the, the paid staff tries to do all the stuff that goes on at the church you know what progress is going to be very slow it's going to be awkward but when everybody understands hey i'm a part of this church i have a role i can be a part of this the difference is amazing it really is Um, i want to brag on some of the folks in our church right now um, that work together so i'm just going to throw out a few things so uh, over the last year the difference that our guest services team has made in our church is astounding. Would y'all agree with that? A lot of y'all know. I mean, it's been amazing. A lot of y'all are on that team, but Ed and Lynn Crump, and they're probably mad that I'm mentioning them, but they have recruited and trained and have a passion um, to get people to volunteer to serve and make people feel welcome here on Sunday. And you do not get in here or get out of here without somebody greeting you and trying to help you. Is that not true? Because they take a passion in their giftedness. And a lot of y'all that serve on that team, very grateful for that. I think about our Lunch and Learn service and kitchen staff crew over the last couple of years. The senior adults can't wait to get here on Wednesday. I mean, they get here at 11 o'clock volunteering and making Wednesday night. And they, uh, behind the scenes, are working and working together to make sure the food is ready, the tables are set up, and all these things are ready because they're working together. I think about those folks... um, and many of you may do this, uh, serve at Meals on Wheels, and they can tell you the satisfaction of serving on that ministry. And you go, oh, that's great. I, that's so nice that you go and take meals to these people. And most of those people will say, yeah, you think that's great for them, but it's great for me to be able to do that every week. I get a lot of satisfaction out of going and making that person's day. A lot of our folks serve at Southwest Christian Care and, and at the hospice. Um, this past Thursday night, they had their banquet, and that's where they raise a lot of their funds. So y'all realize for about 40 years, that hospice is operated at no cost to any patient that's ever been through there. That boggles my mind because why? Volunteers have come and worked together to make that happen. Our young adults have served monthly for over a year at Coweta Pregnancy Service in Noonan. And again, the fellowship, the sense of fulfillment that I see on those Facebook posts every time they do it, and people responding to that, they, that's great, but they get a lot out of it. But the director is always so thankful because of what y'all do. It makes a difference. It makes a difference in the people you're doing it for, but it makes a difference in your life. Our middle and our high school students served several times with River Life Ministries this past year. And they got up and went and helped local people with needs that they had. And the kids come back, and some of them, you know, you have to kind of give them a push a little bit. But once they got it started and, and realized how grateful the folks that they served were, it really made an impression on them. And another great way to serve is through our short-term mission trips. Some of y'all have been on those. Some of y'all are thinking about that. But at least once a year, sometimes twice, we go to Guatemala and build houses with Casas for Cristo. And again, the day that we hand those keys over after working together together for several days and we build a house from the ground up and we hand those keys to a group of people that need them man there's just something about that knowing that God has called us together to be a part of that and I could go on and on but we when we do these things we're being the hands and feet of Jesus when we're working together serving in this world but I want to share something interesting about serving and humility The cultural difference in the vocabulary and concept of being humble and serving in our culture as compared to the first century is a really fascinating 
contrast. In the dominant Roman culture that Jesus was born into, neither of those concepts, being humble or serving, were looked at as complementary things at all. Quite the contrary. Being humble or serving were looked at as a passive weakness. If you were humble, that was a weakness. If you were serving somebody, that was a passive weakness, and you didn't need to do that. Those were traits that were something to be avoided as they were seen as embarrassing or humiliating. Those characteristics were molded, uh, were modeled by those who were slaves or those who were in the low class of culture. Now think about that for a minute. You weren't supposed to serve. You weren't supposed to be humble. That was for slaves to do all of our work for us. They were supposed to serve. Somebody was a low class of society. They were supposed to serve, but not anybody from the middle up. And that blows my mind. So through Jesus... I think it's hard for us to really grasp the fact that Jesus, through his life, through his teaching, through his death and resurrection, literally transformed the concepts of humility and servant or servanthood by what he established. He was so counterculture. Now, when he was telling his disciples about this, you need to, if you want to be great, you got to be a servant to all. If you want to be first, you really need to be last. All those kind of things Jesus taught. It wasn't like his disciples were going, I know, I know, we've heard this before. No, they never heard that before. It was counterculture. And so through Jesus, through the centuries of his followers, demonstrating that very humility and service, and ultimately through his suffering and sacrifice, those words and actions became admirable qualities. The first century goes, who are these Christian people that serve? Who are these Christian people who take babies that nobody wants? Why are they like they are? They're following that Jesus guy. And he had transformed what it meant to be a servant. And why is that so important? Because it did and it continues to transform lives by humility and service. So when we look at the why behind service, it is a way we can truly be like Jesus and be a follower of him. Humility is this active attitude. It's this active state of mind and heart that allows us to put our situation and our identity in the proper perspective and the situation and the identity of other people in the proper perspective. Putting both of those in the proper perspective allows us to respond in a humble way towards those other people and their life situation and with humility and service and actually help them. Service is performing that work or that helpful action for someone else. It's not passive. It's not going, well, somebody ought to do something. No, it's active. What are we going to do and let's do it? It's active and responsive to real needs. So when the two are combined, humility and service together, it makes this positive and lasting impression on the ones who are doing the service and also on the ones who are receiving the service. And I want to say this. It's very important in our lives as Christians sometimes. It's not always be serving people, but to be humble and let other people serve you. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we don't want anybody to do anything for us, but that is important in Christian community to allow people to serve you and to receive that humble service as well. In Matthew 20, and I don't think I have this on the the screen this morning, that's my fault, but Jesus, as he got his disciples together, and like I said, when he's telling them this, this this is groundbreaking stuff. As they're hearing it, they're going, you want us to be humble and serve? That's not cool in our culture. And Jesus goes, I know, but that's what you're going to do. If you're going to be my follower. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles 
lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be saved, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you see how Jesus was having to teach his disciples this concept? He was having to teach them to be counterculture. And through serving in our culture today, it has become a little more positive, hasn't it? It's kind of cool to serve nowadays. Everybody wants to post, hey, look where we were serving on on social media. And there's nothing wrong with that because you're telling people about your organization. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's still, through serving in our culture today, it has a, a more positive image than it did certainly in the first century there's still a lot of obstacles of self-serving things that people do today, isn't it? It's all, look at me, it's about self-serving, and it's supposed to be humble servanthood. And as we think about how the church over the centuries has transformed those two words, humble service, it's really made a difference in the world. So we've been ransomed from the slavery of sin and selfishness and of self-promotion and of self-glorification uh, to live what... And to be who we're called to be, and that is to be in humble service of the King who's ransomed us from our sins. And, you know, I noticed this morning uh, that Bonnie mentioned, you know, we all want Jesus to be our Savior. Save me from my sins. Save me from hell. Well, I want Jesus as my Savior. But she said it's important for us to know Him as what? Lord. And when you're His Lord, you're His servant. And you're going to do what He did, and that's going to serve others. And that's why we serve. So I want to encourage you this morning that... There's a place for you to serve here. And it takes you a while to navigate through that, doesn't it? Like, I've always joked about, if you're a teacher in the school system or or whatever, you teach kids all day during the day, and then you come to church and go, hey, you want to teach kids on Sunday? That may not be what you want to do. You do that all week, and the last thing you want to do is teach kids again. So find a different area. Or you may be a financial person. You go, hey, you want to be on the finance team? The last thing you want to do is crunch numbers on your day off. But maybe you do. I don't know. But there's so many different ways that you can serve in our church, and we can certainly help you find that. And I would say try different areas. Find out what works for you. Find out where God's calling you to because he has gifted you. He has gifted all of us to do something. So I want to encourage you to do that. And thank thank you for those who are serving already. And if you're sitting out there today and go, yeah, I really ought to find a spot. Well, do some of these fellowship things first. When you get to know people in the church, when you rub shoulders with them, they'll say, hey, I serve in this area. Why don't you come over here and serve with me and see if that works for you? It's a great way of getting connected. But this morning, we want to offer, as we always do, an opportunity for someone to name Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And you may have heard this morning that Jesus, by his life, death, and resurrection, transformed those two words, humility and service, to be something that's transformed our world. And if you want to name him as your Lord and Savior, we're going to give you that opportunity. Or maybe you're looking for a church. We are certainly not perfect, and we don't get everything right, but we are committed to serving together. That's always been a part of who we are and always will be. So our our praise team is going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a song. If you have a decision this morning, I'll try to walk you through that. If you want to have prayer for something, I'll be here for you. But for the rest of us, Um, We're getting ready to go into a time of communion, and we do this every week. If you're here for the first time this morning and you didn't know we did that, that's okay. If you're a believer and you want to participate in communion this morning, we offer that. You don't have to, certainly don't have to be a member of our church. But in just a little while when we finish this song, 
and have some time of meditation. There's going to be folks who are going to be serving communion to do you right where you are. Just take the piece of bread and hold it. Take the cup and hold it. And when you're ready, you can partake. And then somebody will come by serving and pick those up a little bit afterwards. So let's stand together and sing. And if you have a decision this morning, I'll be right here. <clears throat>